Let's take a look at some of the questions. Yeah, by and large, throughout this session, questions about body, pain, discomfort, strange energies, tensions, fatigue, bodies. And also, there's always questions about one's relationships with others. You know, people who don't cooperate, people you're worried about, people who don't practice, people who get on your nerves, people you feel upset by, family members. That's another big one. Then about yourself, you know, motivation, loss of motivation, um, and uh, and then about the nature of the Dhamma. And it's interesting that these these four categories these always come up in some form or another. Mm-hmm. The sacred, the body, oneself, and other people. And they, you know, slightly different ways in which when people express that, but it always comes up. That's what that's what that's the relational field. That's what we would have to relate to rather than grab or uh, contract around, identify with or get stuck in in relationship. So you can get stuck in ideas about Dhamma. And that means you generally find, oh, this is this, it doesn't fit my life. You know, you get stuck in body, you know, trying to make it one way or another and all the things that the body brings up or dismiss it altogether just the body um, same thing with other people we get sort of enmeshed in them or we dismiss them or you know we feel dismissed by them and uh, ourself you know, losing faith in oneself um, you know, and so on so learn to, to these kind of relating to this with an open uh, state so the changes um, can be this is where the chitta moves around this relational field so an example here we have a few questions on body person has health issues which affect the nervous system heart rate and breathing I am unable to identify the triggers, very unpredictable, very frightening. Try to find a still place beneath it all, but my body sends signals which quickly override this. Another question. Find a tighter my stomach muscles or a shoulder during meditation. Sometimes I can feel my heart beating inside me. Why does this happen? Even after I release the tightened muscles, they go back to that state again. Thinking about fatigue, I get so tired these days, not sure how best to respond. The body seems to be calling for some compassion, or is it just more sense desire? I push against that edge, try to stay upright and awake. Sometimes it just feels almost mean-spirited to do so. What's a wise and caring relationship to the body? So one responds to its needs, ailments and natural decline in a friendly, respectful and accepting manner <laughs> without taking it too seriously. And it can be a major source of selfing. I can always tell when I'm responding appropriately 
or just hanging on to a subtle sense of I, me, myself by paying too much attention to aches and pains and natural wear and tear. And so Buddha, um, when he talked about mindfulness of body, um, this is uh, mindfulness of the body in relationship to the body. Mm. You know, so often what happens when the, when there's any kind of affliction, the afflictive experience pushes the chitta and it separates and then we're looking at the body or thinking about the body or oppressed by it or fascinated by it. Mm. This is not the body knowing the body, this is the mind knowing the body. This is, you know, what the person said, it becomes myself knowing the body. And this is not a position from which uh, Dhamma practice or healing practices in terms of Dhamma can be affected. It's, it's too abstract. Um, be entering into the bodily domain you can sense there's both embodiment which is a sense of fundamental presence something that's got a certain texture of elemental solidity to it you can con you can you can define this as these four elements i've talked about and then you have feeling which is another thing and the two stick together now in terms of insight practice you go to first of all stabilize in the sense of embodiment which is elements whether they're subtle you know not very vigorous and uh, let go of the idea of the body particularly the idea the visual idea of the body um, feel these elements being pushed, moved around by um, and feeling arising, feeling and the elements playing together. Uh, and then so that you bring the mind of goodwill towards that. It's the only thing the mind can offer is goodwill. That's the only offering. <laughs> The mind can make and it can't change the body it can't correct it it can't understand it it can't analyze it it can't work it out it can only offer goodwill this is all the chitta can do it doesn't have answers it has responses it has responses not answers answers would be I'll do this and then the body will be like this. That's an answer. But there isn't an answer. There's a response. The response is one of however one can manifest one of these aspects of goodwill, equanimity, compassion, kindness, gladness, that to some degree of pleasant feeling or health, to some degree. You relate to it, and that's the way the jitta, that's what it can do. 
and um, it's not about the body that that energy of goodwill goes straight into the body now the body will do what it does you know um, it may pick up you may if you really open it may organize itself it doesn't happen quickly but the main thing one learns to understand is the most that the relief of the heart from suffering which is the only bit you can rescue the only piece of your experience that can be rescued from the grip of suffering is the chitta and if the chitta can relate can open itself towards the uncomfortable this is this is great mm-hmm. you can do that and you can rest in the sense of well at least I'm not fighting it I'm not shutting it down I'm not getting agitated by it and there's a purity of relationship to it this has to be the basis for everything that we we do or the way we relate to any experience in this particularly in this case to the body the body can respond to that in its own way awareness has got no pressure in it to make things change you may very well find surprising enough that you're feeling really tired and dull and fatigued and you don't try to not feel not trying to feel other than that but your awareness of the fatigue you're not fighting it you're not thinking it's not feeling it's wrong or bad or it's just that and it can be really the body can train the mind to be really open and modest and receptive say so this is all the body can do right now don't keep demanding that it feel vigorous and bright yeah don't keep demanding that it feel healthy and comfortable stop putting these demands on it yeah and to, to touch that relationship is really liberating and what can be liberated can be liberated body can't be liberated but it can help the mind to stop <laughs> you know to change its relationship and, and strangely enough you know with that relationship you might find the body actually starts to ease up that's what I found with mine you know, we used to suffer and have a lot of physical back pain, a lot of back pain. And I was trying to find ways to adjust it and make things change and, and just really eventually coming down to pain and a very simple recognition, I don't like pain. <laughs> Obvious, isn't it? But as long as you don't like pain, that not liking is a negative energy not criticizing nobody likes pain you must be English in a nutcase nobody likes pain but the not liking it blocks energy is, is, is a blocking energy and one has to stop not liking it it doesn't mean you like it it means you just give up not liking it and pain has a right to be here just as much right as pleasure has you know the three kinds of feeling pleasure pain 
neutrality, which generally becomes unpleasant or pleasant, depending. Neutrality goes to calm, it's pleasant. If it goes to boredom, it's unpleasant. So fundamentally, you're really looking at agreeable, disagreeable feeling. That means there's got to be room for disagreeable feeling because it happens. I don't like it. Uh, and uh, I don't, I can understand none of us like it. But there it is. Now, the jitter can just shrink and, oh no, 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 no. That could be stopped. And if that can be stopped or at least moderated, you know, to work on it, you're going to somehow you're going to find that something will know, you know, in terms of, you know, dealing with aging, disease, and sickness, something will know quietly. That's enough. You know, let's just take a rest or whatever. If you apply it to places when you've got these somatic pressures, it's quite um, beautiful. Mm. Mm. Just opening yourself to these somatic compressions and distortions and so forth. Not trying to change them, but almost like exploring, explore the dimension of it. The pain is right here, difficult areas right here and around it around it and it comes up here and it begins to that's about as far as it just up to here you get right to the edge of where you can trace the extent of this discomfort spread your awareness just a little wider than that as if you're almost inviting the feeling now come come extend a little further come further come further Lovely. Uh, practice it. Since you can't push it away, open it up. So, you know, if it's intense here, get to the edge of it. And see if you can hold that and extend your awareness just a little wider than the edge of the feeling. And you find at the edge of the feeling, it's not so intense. So you can put your awareness there. And it's not so your mind jitter is not so shaken by it and it's softening all the time in the world softening softening opening inviting inviting the feeling feeling loses its intensity energy starts to move that's what i do and as to why i don't know much of this why it's like that I get the general principle, <laughs> bodies are subject to aging, sickness and death, and also bodies are the recipients of volition and perception, that is the uh, uh, triggering of what, what strikes our emotions, the bodies receive that, either things we've done and said, ways we've behaved, or ways that others have behaved towards ourselves and so it receives those they the residues lie there that's why we do cultivate body to clean out these residues 
if it's too intense you just feel you really just pushed against the wall by it maybe it's time to go for a walk do some exercise chanting take get yourself respectfully away from it park the project freshen up in some other domain relate to the sacred relate to nature um, relate to the body relate to other people These are, so you get you can get your resources from uh, other places someone asked about the importance of touch and contact during the pandemic in particular it seems that many of us are dealing with touch deprivation I've been trying to work with touch to understand its sensual aspects also seems that healthy human touch can be in service of emotional regulation and settling the chitta can you please share any suggestions on how we can navigate this skillfully mm. yeah mm. Uh, well so I did mention that uh, little ones newborns touch very important for several years at least um, and why because it's indicating warm presence warm relational presence you know that which is around us can come right close the most you know sensitive where there's no separation at all where it touches when something touches it's you're right there you know? so the sense that is established is that which touches can be warm and welcoming that's a very important signal to establish yeah, and I think when people get into crisis, it's sometimes it's good to go back to that signal, you know, the touch, the pat, the hug, whatever. Mm. Um, it's a signal that's important. Because mm -hmm. mm. you know, certainly in monastic life, it's been, it's been a long pandemic, 45 years of touch deprivation. <laughs> But we're weathering on because uh, one is able to establish the signal the signaling of, uh, of warmth and uh, uh, intimacy mm -hmm. intimacy with being mm. uh, less, having less of a shell mm. being touched by life being touched by breathing being touched by the heart and loving kindness of course so the more that one uh, establishes this uh, uh, way of signaling as I've suggested in meditation you know you sit you just be begin the signaling you know what's around me is not bothering me it's um, open it's safe it's comfortable it's mine I don't have to prove anything don't have to do anything it's right there it's a given you know a holding that's given and then you can as you feel that allowing your body to feel open and free in that uh, and then you know even imagining or 
bringing up a sense of benevolence within that. That's that's sort of how you how one um, touches being touched by the Dhamma. Interesting enough, as I suggested, you know, the, the Buddha's references to jhana uh, absorption are all touch touch experiences. Um, like a bubbling sudsy experience. Another one is being in water with from different streams coming in to this water and the, you know another one is being covered with a cool white sheet, which if you're in a hot tropical country is very cooling, pleasant experience. So these are all tactile. And this tactile theme runs through the teachings associated primarily with um um, samadhi experiences you know, one touches the jhanas one is touched by the jhanas pusati is the word and one, one you know, and even touched one touches the deathless in one's own body that's an expression one touches the deathless in one's own body one touches the formless liberations in one's body you know you know well you know, you may well wonder what's that, uh, right? And I would suggest it's it's the way the because the somatic experience, whether you're physically poking it or not, the somatic experience is aligned to what touch is about, which means complete intimacy. You know, something's right there, and it's it's non-conceptual, and uh, so when we say touched by the deathless. In one's body, it means you've got a somatic experience of no pressure, openness, space, no stirrings, comfort, ease, no agitations, you know, right? I mean, it doesn't explain it, but I'm trying to tease out what this can refer to. Um, and the same thing with the jhanas, it says this quality of piti saturates, pervades, saturates, drenches drenches the entire body with pleasure that's pretty touchy isn't it <laughs> so the, the samadhi is generally referred to in these touch metaphors insight is referred to in visual metaphors you know like one sees you know so that this is the way the two you know because samadhi is very much about massaging if you like massaging the chitta into a comfortable, you know, state, freeing of the, the grime and the grit and the tangles and the scars and just, so it should become lovely and open. And then one sees, ah, that was that, that's that. And this also has come into being. This is conditioned. And therefore it's this way. It's not a self. And so, particularly if you're doing body meditation, if you're practicing, you know, with um, difficult difficult experiences, try try in your mind touching them, you know, as if you just how you would touch pain. You wouldn't slap it. You'd probably walk this closely, gently. How is that? Trace it as if you're reading a pulse with your fingers, and that that approach can bring all kinds of nuances that you can't really describe in words. Um, 
So this is my reflection on touch. So another question, how can we be heirs to our karma if there's nobody there, no self, to inherit it? Well, there is somebody there. <laughs> Who told you there isn't? This jitta is there. The jitta is where karma arises, you know, as in the, the conditioning, jitta, conditioned jitta acts. It's, it, it produces chetana, jitta produces chetana, which is called impulse or volition. And that gives, that means an action, mental action or heart action, heart impulse, there's a result of that. And so even if you're, even though you don't never move your, never move a finger, still if you're churning out moods of hatred and ill will or negativity, you get the result of it. You feel fed up and morose and it change, and you you see the world in those in that light. You don't have to physically do anything to create karma. You're just sitting there pumping out negative or positive emotions. Not just when stuff dribbles through, because that happens to everybody. But when there's decisive engagement, like it's not just, you know, I'm feeling a bit rough today and stuff is happening, you know. You know? It's when you, when you pick up a right and you kind of really find yourself formulating and engaging in, in a decisive way with um, mental states and moods. That decisive engagement is, is uh, karma before you physically act or say anything and of course it's that mental engagement that causes the physical actions and the verbal actions and the result is your mind gets shaped by it you know you get to have a petty mind or a jealous mind or a snipey mind or a um, you know if it's negative or a, or a joyful mind or a generous mind so that's what karma does it shapes shapes your, your heart you get a broad heart, or you get a narrow one. You get a pointy, picky one, or you get a, you know, wobbly one, or <laughs> that, that's the result. So the beauty of this is that, you know, you can actually work on it. You can work on it right now. So this is not just like karma or something I inherited from 10 years ago. Yeah, there is that. But right now, if I'm starting to sort of pre present some clarity and some compassion and some discernment then it's going to change my my heart my heart's going to be a little more firm and responsible and enough of that let's get on you know and that that changes the shape and the dimension and the, and the trajectories of your heart that's karma and it's through that principle that the path proceeds path the path is one of skillful karma mental karma, cultivating intentions and volitions and impulses that direct one towards right view, right mindfulness, right effort, um, and all the skillful qualities. Mm -hmm. That's the path. path is subtle forms of bright, of bright karma, or not subtle forms of bright karma, you know, helping out, offering service bright karma gives joy 
heart becomes less self-obsessed, you know, just help out. Uh, so this kind of anatta, you've got to be careful with it because it's uh, what it means is that what's occurring is a mobile force of energies with a center to it, the chitta. That's very, you know, so that's happening. You know, self means there's a constriction which shuts it all into a box. That's me and mine. And so one of the principles of karma is the kind of best kind of karma is that which is just sort of giving yourself away in a way. It's like, you know, um, renunciation, compassion, service, just, you know, it's rather than me, 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 me. So it's, uh, you know, of course there's traces of self-view in it. You know, one worries about how good one's doing and whether one's good enough to make an offering, good enough to teach, good enough this, that, you know, this stuff goes on. But you just look, just, just keep going and witness the doubt and, you know, <laughs> and pra- keep practicing. And that's, that's the path. Path is karma that leads to the end of karma, to the end of the inheritances, the negative inheritances, and also to the end of have to keep doing more. You get to the place where it's, it's, it's completed. Heart is full. And released. Okay. Questioner asking to investigate the qualities of chitta. The questioner thinks they that what was pointed out in the forest tradition is that chitta is clear and bright and unchanged by the phenomena arising and ceasing within it, i.e. within awareness. Questioner felt of some superficial layers of fear fell away. There was an abeyance of resistance to experiencing dis-ease and uncertainty that lessened. The person was more able to experience dis-ease and uncertainty. A fleet light sense of the impersonality of bodily and mental phenomena. So the person feels that they are, you know, in the right place for insight and how to sustain that. Well, just keep keep practicing. Changeability and distinguishing jitta from what affects the jitta. Um, so this was the sort of aphorism of the many of the forest teachers saying, so, you know, there's the, there's the chitta and then the content of the chitta. And so, you know, there's chitta, which is knowing, awareness, heart, and there's the contents. And don't identify with the contents. Keep going back to the, the knowing. And um, that, was, that, was their, that was their practice. And that's the encouragement, often very simple encouragement to, to do that. And do that by, you can't really know the chitta because the chitta is the knowing. But you can be the knowing, which is an open, stable presence <laughs> of, yeah, and turning towards phenomena with less and less angle on it, less and less pressure, less and less agitation, steadily handling 
encouraging so that phenomena can be allowed to rise and pass. That's a very brief synopsis of many years of practice with all kinds of details on why some why some phenomena don't seem to pass as quickly as one would like. <laughs> some look suspiciously permanent uh, because there's an involuntary lock that we haven't really understood. Yeah. The involuntary lock that we haven't really understood is some as some feta, some aspect of self, some unrevealed hankering or position. Mm-hmm. Uh, fundamental one being, I am this, this is mine, I am the watcher, I am the witness, or I am the watched, or I should be, you know, beyond this by now, or, um, you know, these kinds of, so you're looking for these places where there's some sense of subject crystallizing with hankering. And, you know, a lot of it's just hankering for freedom. Um, freedom from this. You know, understandable, but phenomena essentially have no power. They, they have no power in themselves. They have power because the jitta gives them power. Mm. Involuntarily. That's the, this is this anutsaya, the inclining into phenomena. And the, the flood into phenomena, which is involuntary. And it's only through many, you know, sustained deep practice that you're able to get to that, you know, something's able to get to that involuntary reflex and release it. But we keep, keep practicing. Person, more they see things clearly, the more they feel the weight of all the delusion around me, including past and present, including my own. Sometimes this comes up as deep sadness. Sometimes it actually disgusts me. I get the sense everything's the same, pleasant or unpleasant. Everything I experience is now just sensations that come and go. I can take refuge in the peace of my heart, which comes from that. There's also a deep sense of loss pointlessness and despondency that arises. The more I meditate, the more pronounced those feelings seem to get and they spill back over to my practice. I feel I've lost my mojo with it. Can't be bothered. What's the point? I know it must be impermanent, but it seems very real right now. What's the skillful way to navigate this territory? Well, this might be it's kind of what's called nibida, which is a disenchantment, world weariness, um, you know, because we, you know, on one level, what's the point of anything? What's the point of being alive? What's the point of being a human? Is there a point? Here we are, you know. What's the point of getting up in the morning? <laughs> I sometimes ask myself that. <laughs> but I think, 
Well, it's <laughs> why it's always uh, helpful to develop relationship. So one isn't operating from, I feel this is helpful, I want to do this, I'm interested in this. You operate from a sense of, I have responsibility in this. Uh, I have responsibility in this. Not heavy responsibility. It can be like, and relationship means, you know, I can get up and think, well, at least I can fold my robes properly, rather than just ugly. You know? At least I can stand up. (laughs) You know, I can stand up and I can do that properly and let feel my feet I can do that at least I can take a shower and do that properly and then I can clean the shower afterwards and then maybe I can wash up so we're looking very much when you get to these pointless states you've got to really bring the horizon of your life right back to the end of your nose you know And now, when you get there, you can see this sense of pointlessness is actually quite ugly. Uh, What it's bringing around is an ugly, unloving mind with no faith and no no radiance, no buoyancy in it. Now, I don't have to do fantastic things, but if I even fold my robe carefully tidily respectfully put it somewhere tidily respectfully that's beautiful if i have my altar and i light a stick of incense and i bow clearly beautifully that's beautiful if I see another human being, I look at them and I recognize they have the nature to suffer, sicken, and die, and I feel a sense of compassion, concern, that's beautiful. I don't have to fix it. You see what I mean? It's developing relationship with what arises rather than, you know with a personal purpose. And this nipita it's true. Conditions are conditions. Conditions are conditions. They rise and change and by themselves they're just that. But relationship is is different. Relationship perfected is open heart to the most tiny, small thing. You can't find anything big, small. If it means you put some crumbs out for the birds, that's beautiful. If it means you just exercise your body just because you sense of keep, you know, if you don't, that's that's not beautiful behavior. You learn beauty rather than goal. Beauty in the present is more what one inclines towards and then the heart 
can you know open up to that often people get weary because most of life has been about trajectory you know get onwards and then if i leave it there's no onwards really onwards is just you know the treadmill round and round sure you get fed up and enough but it doesn't have to be onwards it can be opening which is a different gesture of the heart altogether How to approach the using the in and out breath to calm mental activity as in the fourth line, second tetrad of the Anapanasati Sutta. In fact, if you speak to the entire second tetrad on Vedana, it will be most helpful. Well, for those who might need some help with that, Anapanasati Sutta is mindfulness of breathing. Um, and this is a series of instructions on meditation on mindfulness of breathing and it's it's composed of 16 particular points and they classify them into four groups of four and these are seen to approximately to to relate to the first tetrad to the body second tetrad to feeling third tetrad to the shape state of the mind fourth tetrad to insight into all of the other three so you've got these four so Firstly, if we refer to the second tetrad, which is um, four instructions, um, uh, experiencing uplift, rapture, refreshment, it's a refreshing experience, breathing in, breathing out. Mm. Thoroughly sensitive to ease, thoroughly sensitive to ease breathing in, breathing out, thoroughly sensitive to jitta-sankara, breathing in, breathing out, calming jitta-sankara, breathing in, breathing out. Jitta-sankara is what this person is translating, as many translators do, as mental activity. That's not a very good translation, because jitta is not exactly mind it's heart it's closer and so so you get a sense of heart activity which is probably more to do with emotional stirrings particularly as we're dwelling in the realm of feeling so the stirrings of the heart and we've entered that through experiencing an uplifted state which is a heart experience and a state of ease which is also a heart experience so these are ways in which the heart energy is freshened, brightened, eased and soothed. And then, so, thoroughly sensitive to Patisangwedi, thoroughly sensitive to the whole nature of being affected. So we've looked at, in the last two, looked at the some of these rather positive effects, upliftedness, refreshment and ease, it's kind of, and then the whole sense of being affected, being sensitive. So thoroughly open to that, being sensitive and calming it. So as we know on retreats, you often get very sensitive, sometimes so sensitive that even the sound of a bell makes you shiver. 
or somebody looks at you and you feel extremely affected by that. So the sensitivity becomes rather um, raw and acute. So the theme here is to soothe that hypersensitivity by dwelling much more in the quality of ease. Soothe it and ease it. And this again is one of these, I've talked about it, you know, suffusing. So you like like you're soothing the heart in that. So it's, it's sort of set, lingering and settling in to that experience of comfort. And with that, because of that, the, the chitra is less affected by the impressions that are being dropped in from sight, sound, touch, and obviously thought. So when you're thinking isn't jumping in on it, heart is, is much more uh, able to settle into itself. You know? And the breathing acts as the kind of fundamental sensed experience, the, the rhythm, the energy, the life force flowing through, uh, acts as the kind of container for the heart to, sort of wraps around the heart, protects the heart, you know, rather than going out into thoughts and this and that and the other, the breathing kind of sustain this. There's a nice steady rhythm. Now, enjoy that. Ease up. Feel safe. Settle down. Yeah, that's that's the process of that particular tetrad. That's how I would practice it anyway. Mm. Mm. And you know, I say this. This is a profound practice, as you can as you can probably guess. It's not just something. Oh, now we'll go and do that. It does. It does mean you know, really working through establishing good foundation in the body, the first tetrad. You know, so that there's body agitation, body somatic experience is steady. And then beginning to learn how to enjoy it, lingering, savoring the degree of, of of uplift and vitality that's present, enjoying it. Even if it's a little bit, the nature of the mind is, is is it does absorb. So if you can get your attention onto where you do experience something comfortable and warming, linger. That's that's the jhana process. Linger in it. You know, there's places which are horrible, I'm sure, and places which are not very nice at all. But lingering in the good place, the heart will pick up their energy and then be able to suffuse it through the more difficult places. Right? It's, it's a sponge, so you put it on the good stuff, it begins to absorb that, and then some of the bad stuff will just begin to relax anyway, because you're not agitating around it. But then you can suffuse the entire body with the, that comfortable quality, and then you know, linger in that, and then quiet and steady the heart. In that, that's how. That's what I would recommend. Mm. Thank you. <laughs>